There's no business like show business, like no business I know. From the beautifully restored Brownwood Lyric Theater and revitalized downtown Brownwood, it's waxing lyrically. She's got it! By George, she's got it! The podcast devoted to and hosted by our own Lyric Theater players. Go ahead, Malin! Slop her! Are you crazy? Hit her! Are you high, Clary? Now here's your host for tonight's show, Paul Underwood. Let's go! Okay, here we are on our second episode of Waxing Lyrically, and man, do we have a great guest for you tonight, Val Nelson. Hello. Oh, I like that hello. Thanks. (laughs) I was working on it all week. Yeah, you nailed it. Thanks. Did you want to give me some other ones just that you were thinking about going with? Hello. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) Hiya. How's how are those? those uh, well, been, uh, that's pretty good. Now we're going to get into your <laughs> improv career here in a little bit as we go. But first off, for waxing lyrically, let's get the boring stuff out of the way to begin with. Um, what do you do when you're not on stage, Val? I pretty much stare at a computer screen all day. I work for the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Wow. I've been. Working remotely for the Fed for about three years since I moved to Brownwood. But I've worked for the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas for almost 15 years. So Val's in charge of uh, setting your interest rates. (laughs) (laughs) No, not that exciting. Okay. Well... Let's move on to the more exciting stuff because yeah. we're here. To, we're here to talk theater. Yes, and I have promised our listeners fun. Yes. Okay. Theater is much more fun. First of all, can I call? Do you like the name Val? Because Val just sounds like one of the guys, right? Or should I call you Valerie? Which oh, do you prefer? I don't care. You can call me whatever. Um, yeah. Val is fine. I've been called Val most of my life. Um, some people call me Ginger because of my Facebook. Yes. I've always called you Val, but I've never really asked you if you were okay with Val. I am. Thanks for asking. Okay, let's talk about your childhood. Let's go all the way back. Now, were you a theater person as a child? Where did you grow up? Virginia? I grew up in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't get into theater till junior high. Oh, okay. And I was very shy when I was little. I actually never went out to recess. I wanted to work in the library. Wow. And and shelve books. So I, I was a little goober nerd. Yeah. When I was very young. And then I did a play in junior high with my friend Leanna, and that yeah. was fun. Yeah. And then I got to high school and became a theater nerd and wow. started to get it, to get involved in community theater and, you know, the school theater and all that. So you really found your stride. Was there a certain teacher that got you into it? Or was it just your, your friend that was into it and said, come on, do this. It'll be fun. Um, I don't remember a specific teacher or, you know, my friend 
we ended up not going to the same high school together. So we didn't, you know, we only did the one show together, but I just really fell in love with acting and it got me out of my shell. And now you can't shut me up because I'll just talk, talk, talk. So what was that first show in junior high? I was a reindeer. (laughs) So it was a Christmas program. It was a Christmas show. It was, I didn't, you know, I grew up in the country in Virginia. It wasn't a big school. So, you know, we had, Small shows, but I, I was a little reindeer, and my friend was another little reindeer, and we helped Santa. So did you sing? Did you have lines? Do you remember any lines from I that? had lines. I don't remember what they were, okay. but I had a few lines. Okay. All right. And so then, and you went on to high school. I'm assuming you got in the, the drama, the theater department in your high school. I did, and then I went into Falkir Community Theater. That was where I grew up in Falkir County. Okay. And... um. Can you spell that for me? F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R. Okay. Community theater. Yes, they had Falkir Community Theater. you got to be careful when you say that word. Yeah. 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 So this is during your high school times? This is during my high school times. Okay, so away from school, you, you kind of joined this community theater. Yes, and I did shows at school. Okay. But I think the community theater is what really got my grip into my theater passion. Okay. Okay. One of my first roles there was Mayella in To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, wow. So I think that's probably the pivotal show in getting my passion. Where did you attend college? I went to William and Mary in Williamsburg and majored in theater. Oh, you did? I did. I majored in theater arts. I did a lot of electrics. I fell in love with lighting. Mm-hmm. So I did, again, this was a very long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was back in the early 90s, mid 90s. So lighting is a lot different now. Right. But, um, but I ended up doing a lot of lighting. I, you know, had to take, it wasn't just acting. I had to take all, you know, all forms of theater arts. So mm-hmm. set building, props, lighting, stage design, directing. The whole gamut. The whole kit and caboodle. So when you graduated from William and Mary... What did you do immediately out of college with that theater degree? Well, every parent's not every parent's nightmare, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I did minor in economics. Okay. So I had some practical. This girl's got a brain on her shoulder. Little, little brain. Yeah. Little brain. But um, after college, it was, you know, the mid 90s, tech was booming. I. You know, did some office jobs. But, and the, but theater was, was there kind of a void then and everything theater then? Yeah, I kind of focused on just trying to get life started and not having to live at my folks, yeah. you know, and yeah. trying to get a job and especially in Northern Virginia, D.C. area. So I ended up contracting with Amtrak as a project administrator, which is kind of like a glorified secretary. But I taught myself a lot of tech Yeah, and I had a boss who was very supportive of helping me achieve my goals. So he got me another contract and I just started getting tech savvy and learning a lot of tech and that built and ended up to why I've been in tech at the Fed for 15 years. So you made your way to Dallas eventually. I did. And went to work for the Fed there. Is that what brought you to Dallas? No, my... Um, it was a boy that brought you to Dallas, maybe. Well, I call it my first life. Okay. My right. um, first husband. Well, we don't have to delve too much into yeah, that. Thanks. But I am, <laughs> but I am curious because 
also at your time in Dallas, you did kind of rediscover your love for the arts, I guess. Now, was it anything? I know you did improv there in Dallas. Yes. So about 10 years ago, when my second life started, mm-hmm. I got back into theater because I really hadn't been in it for okay. quite some time. Okay. All right. So this was second life. Second life. Okay. Yeah. That's what I call it. Yeah. Uh, so about, this was about 10 years ago and I have always loved theater and I needed to get back into it cause it came, it was my passion. So I started auditioning in Dallas. I got some parts. I got to know people. I this got Dallas community theater. What was it called? Well, not even, I got paid. I was a paid actress oh, in wow. Dallas. So pocket sandwich theater was my first gig. Um, I did some work for Rover, Dr- Rover drama works, um, camp death productions out at, the Margaret Jones Theater in uh, State Park, State Fair, at the State Fair. Okay, okay. So um, you, were, you were looking at me like I was going to help you, and I was like, <laughs> I <know." laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> come on, brain. <laughs> and um, so I've always been amazed at somebody that can do the improv. Now, was that at an improv like comedy club, or was that through your theater experience? It was through several improv groups okay. that got started through my connections in theater, and it just had so much fun doing it. Um, it's hard. Yeah. And you're not always funny. Sometimes you fall on your face. Sometimes you fall on your face. Yeah. But it's so brilliantly fun. Yeah, yeah. Especially after you've done it and got, you know, the first couple times you do it, it might be like frightening, but... Once you get through it. So how would you start? Okay, you're you're all on stage and you're ready to start some improv scene. Does somebody just throw something out? Do you ask for like audience suggestions or what, what happens? Well, we'd actually rehearse <clears throat> for okay. improv. So you have several scenarios, numerous games, we called them. Mm-hmm. So improv games. Okay. A lot of those involved a setup and you'd have like the improv group I worked the most with was called the gym experiment and it was named after its founder, my, my good friend, Jocelyn and J G Y M or J I M J dot I dot M. So it's Jossie's improv experiment. Okay. All right. So we just named it Jim. Okay. She still does that every year and it's just a lot of fun, but we have scenarios and games that we'd practice uh so one of my favorite games was called art museum okay do you want me to go ahead i do want you to go into it i just want to make sure i'm not boring you (laughs) no no so one of my favorite games was art museum and that involved like three of the performers being the art and then three or four of the other performers one of them being the museum guide and the others being the tourists being on the tour of the art museum. So we would take phrases from the audience at the beginning when they came in. Mm -hmm. So we'd pull out of a hat one of these phrases. um, For example, given all my love. Okay. So if that was the phrase, the three people who were the piece of art would get into a position to form <laughs> this. Given all my loving. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. So, <laughs> but the game was we would get into a position forming a piece of art before we knew the phrase. Oh, okay. So uh... we would be in a position, the person who was playing the tour guide would pull the phrase. Yeah. And then they'd have to 
explain this the tour piece guide of art. Have to explain it, based which on whatever maybe, contortion you exactly. were in. Exactly. <laughs> and then the people who were on the tour would respond and often, you know, kind of touch the art and try to try to, try to break us if we were the art. Oh, but um, that that was my favorite game. But you've got to be a brave soul to do that. And I can imagine once you go through something like that. Nothing on stage in community theater would scare you after that. Uh, yeah, you can pretty much roll with anything. I'm here with uh, Val Nelson. You're listening to Waxing Lyrically. This is your host for this show, Paul Underwood. I'm going to host quite a few of these maybe to start with, but then we're going to turn it over. Wouldn't you love to hear Val host one of these shows at one point? Say yes, you know you want to. Oh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'd that, love to host. She's certainly on the short list. Okay, now I, I talked to you over dinner. We had some pizza and salad and some wine for dinner before we came in here to record tonight. And it was yummy. I, Thanks. I told you that um, I thought maybe I was a little too overconfident in my interviewing abilities. So this morning I had some time on my hands. So I did. I did some research, you know, what questions to ask, uh, you know, for uh, uh, Broadway stars or community, just community theater stuff in general. So I did find quite a bit of information. So uh, I'm going to kind of turn to my notes here for a little bit. OK, you ready? All right, I'm a little scared because you like research. I know. I dug up about seven or eight various quotes on the beauty of community theater. Uh, Now, who these quotes are attributed to doesn't really matter, uh, but they're just kind of conversation starters. So I plucked out a couple of these quotes. I'm going to read the quote, and then we're going to kind of talk about it, okay? That sounds good. Okay, here's the quote. A friend who used to move a lot told me that every time he moved, he would find a community theater in which to participate. He knew this was a place he would always feel welcome. It was also a comfortable atmosphere with diverse personalities and backgrounds. A person could always find someone with whom to relate. So after I read that quote, I thought of Cheers. You want to go where everybody knows your name, you know. And that's kind of what community theater is. Uh, for many, it's like your favorite bar, you know. It's Cheers. How did you find out about the lyric and how excited? Now, I should say that you moved to Brownwood because that was where your husband had land. And you didn't just move to Brownwood to grace us with your community theater talent. Yes, but I would not have agreed to move to Brownwood if there was no Lyric Theater. Oh, really? Well, if there was no theater here, I would have told Joe, sorry. <laughs> so that was kind of my question. How did you find out about the Brownwood Lyric Theater? Well, Joe's family has been here for a while. So when I met his mother yes. um, back in 2013, okay. 2013 mm-hmm. several years before we moved here, um, she knew about my acting because okay. it's a big part of me, and so she told me all about the lyric. Because she's a she's a patron, and right. she's so big how, supportive. How shocked were you? To, a little podunk, Brownwood, Texas. How shocked were you to, that we had this community theater scene? I didn't have a full grasp of Brownwood at that point. Yeah, um, I was guess I was thinking it was more like where I grew up, which was a bit bigger. Oh, okay. But I love that quote though. Just uh, about. Uh, how that's the first thing somebody would do. And you did the same thing. The first the first thing you did when you moved, well, it's got to have theater. I've got to have theater. Yes. And I wanted to audition for Oliver, the first opportunity mm-hmm. after we moved here. But we were 
still restoring the house we were going to eventually move into in July of that year. So it was a couple months. So I was just like, there's too much going on. So I actually emailed Nancy Joe. I got her email and was like, I'm Valerie. I really want to be involved, but I can't. I just have too much going on. So then I auditioned for Ballyhoo with yes. Caitlin. Uh-huh. And I was an understudy. And Caitlin allowed me to come to some of the rehearsals and so forth. So at least I was getting some exposure. That was a small show. A small it was. Cast. It was a small cast. It was brilliant. I mean, Susie Harkey. That's where I met her. Right. And Matthew McNeese. Yes. And he was in it. Just Renee. Just the whole cast. Well, Nancy Joe was in it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I've got to admit. Uh, I think back in when did you go back to Virginia? You did recently, January or February? February. Yeah, February. I got mad. That I went back to Virginia? No, because you said you loved it so much and you're, oh. you're ours. I don't want you to move <laughs> back to Virginia. Don't worry. I saw all these posts, you know, with your friends saying, oh, come back. You need to come back and, and stay. Well, my besties are still in Virginia. Yeah. And, and I'll admit, I miss the fall in Virginia. Yeah. I miss, it's not quite like brownwood um the trees are much bigger the hills it, I, i'm there are some aspects of virginia i miss but i love texas and i would never my husband's here he, he's a texas boy i will never leave <laughs> good all right that makes me feel better val okay it is family yeah. community theater and and even the small theaters that weren't community in Dallas, like mm -hmm. Pocket Sandwich Theater. And, you know, we were paid. It, it's a business. Right. But I've had a lot of different jobs in my life, and I've never experienced a job like working in a theater. It's yeah. just, it really is family. Are you ready for some, just some general questions? Suck it to me. Okay. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> You can improv if you want. I want to be an actor on a cruise ship. Oh, really? Of course, now with the COVID. But anyway, that's but what... Pre-COVID, you, you had visions of wanting to, to... That's what I wanted to do in college. Yeah. Is go sail out and... Sail the seven seas. Sail the seven seas and just be in one of those shows. And that would be awesome. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen now. But if I had to pick a job, any job, yeah. anywhere, doing anything, that would be it. That would be it. If someone was going to make your life into a movie, Val Nelson, who would play you? Sandra Bullock. There you go. I can see that. Because you and Sandra, Sandra's got a pretty good head on her shoulders, too. I like she, her. Yeah, she's a terrific actress. I can see that. So you've obviously thought of that question or been given that question before. I would hazard a guess that most theater people have thought of that. <laughs> Okay, we've already talked about when you first performed there in, in your junior high as a reindeer, so we'll, we'll leave that one off. Okay, here's one. If you had a magic wand, what show would you do next at the Lyric Theater, if you could choose? Ooh. Yeah, it's all up to Val. Ooh. Is it a show you've done before and you want to show what you could do here, or was it some? is it a new show? Well... Lately, I've been really into the classics, so I got to go with Tennessee Williams, okay. Streetcar Named Desire. But I, I don't know if the lyric would ever do that. I'm not sure. I kind of thought you were going to say Hamilton there for a second. <laughs> we talked Don't about Hamilton end, over um, 
I'm not. I'm gonna refrain from commenting on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, especially now, now. Now that my wife's not here, you can give her. You can give your true. No, uh, Val and I. Well, kinda, we kind of yeah. share similar feelings on him. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, as much as I love musicals and I know musicals sell, I I feel like I can dance pretty well, but I don't get choreography very quickly. Yeah, and I don't think I'm that great of a singer, so. If we were going to do a show, I'd probably pick straight stage show yes. as opposed to a musical. Right, right. Okay. What's the last thing you do before you step out on stage? Do you have any sort of rituals whatsoever? I ask God to help me do my best. Okay. You do. You say a little prayer. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know what I do? I take one last little look at my script, <laughs> don't I? <laughs> Val and I, we've been, in, we've been in two shows together. We did um, A Few Good Men, and then we did uh, recently Wonderful Life. But at A Few Good Men, I think everybody had put their scripts away, and I still had mine tucked away, hidden. But that is okay. Yeah. That is okay. I knew an actor in Dallas who, he never had his line. Oh, it was so frustrating. <laughs> he would never have his lines until, like, we got on stage. And then it's like, well, why couldn't you do this in rehearsal? <laughs> mm. Oh, what memories do you have Do you have, uh, on the, the show while we're talking about it? A Few Good Men. That's one of my favorite roles. You like, played Lieutenant... Galloway. Yes, yes. The Demi Moore part. Yeah, Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway. And I've done, I don't even know how many shows throughout my life. And there are several that just are in the top. And A Few Good Men is definitely that. Um, To Kill a Mockingbird, obviously, that I mentioned earlier, is in my top. But I loved doing that show. And it's been so long since I've done a dramatic role because most of the stuff I did in Dallas was comedy or improv or just you know slapstick you know it was comical so I haven't done a dramatic role in so long do you have a favorite moment or line in that show a few good men uh, it was probably the scene with me at the beginning. I played your boss, by the way. Oh, yeah, that was brilliant. It's got to be that. <laughs> and we're going to talk just a little bit more about our little interaction, specifically one show in particular. And you probably have no idea where I'm going with this, but we'll, we'll save that for later, okay? What do you enjoy most about acting and then least? I think we spent pretty much the whole show talking about most. Is yeah. there what? do you not like about it? Well, um, I am getting older mm-hmm. and I'm finding memorizing lines is not as easy yeah. as it used to be. It yeah. used to be pretty quick for me. Now, the last few shows I've done, it's taken me longer than normal. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and shows like a few good men, like um, for me, like that Neil Simon odd couple that I was in. I mean, they oh come, yeah, they and come you, fast and furious, yeah, and they did in that. Got to know them inside and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I certainly wouldn't know that um, from rehearsing with you and watching you that you struggle with it. So, well, I had a wonderful husband. I have a wonderful husband. <laughs> <laughs> God rest his soul. <laughs> That's horrible. No, Joe is awesome, <laughs> and he is very supportive 
of me doing theater and he always helps me with my lines and he even we did gilligan's island and i was ginger oh yeah oh you were great in that uh, that was that was fun that was a fun role um but like i was so focused on trying to get the music yes because you know i i i I struggle with the music because i'm not naturally talented at that um but i was so focused on the music and he was like don't you want to run lines don't you want to run lines like no i need to focus on me <laughs> he's awesome he, he's very very helpful very supportive i love him to death do you think you've been shaped as a person from the characters that you've played absolutely really um so you know i have this job yes it's federal reserve and mm-hmm. i can imagine you know the Federal Reserve might bring up images of it's pol- stuffy, a stuffy conservative. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. It, 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 it everything that theater is not. Everything that theater is not. So, um, I sometimes have a hard time reeling in my need to be <laughs> an extrovert. Yeah. At work and oh. at work, I need to reel it in. Yeah. So, um, especially when I was doing a few good men. <laughs> Um, I was channeling Galloway a wow. bit. And, um, so what does your coworkers have to say about that? Um, I've been told like several <laughs> before I left, <laughs> I've been told I'm too loud. <laughs> I'm too annoying. Oh. And I, I, I laugh too much. Um, yeah, I've been told that by my coworkers. Sorry. So, so the roles you play has shaped the person that you've become. It has. Somewhere in there's still a little reindeer in you today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to play a clip for you, and this is going to lead into our little interaction in A Few Good Men. This is from Kristen Chenoweth back in 2005. Uh, you know, she was in Wicked. She played Glinda mm-hmm. the Good, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that yes, musical. Yes. Wouldn't you love to do that sometime on the lyric stage? That would be awesome. Okay, here she is on an interview with David Letterman, and she's talking about the one performance when things didn't go as planned. Um, well, I, I left in July because I have a, a neck injury. I, I, As my character, I did a famous hair flip, and I gave myself two herniated discs. Oh my in my neck. So um, my doctor prescribed Vicodin, but as you can see, I'm a petite person. And uh, my doctor didn't tell me to cut the Vicodin when, it, when the pain was really bad de- in half. So uh, I, again, only weigh 97 pounds, and I took a whole one before the show. And um, I float in on a bubble, literally. <laughs> I floated in on a bubble and I saw bubbles all around me and and I saw the 3,000 people and I was so happy. And then I saw my first line in my head was, the Wicked Witch of the West is dead. And I said, the Wicked Witch of the West is dead. The Wicked Witch of the West I never did get it out. And were you able to continue like that? Oh, it, I, remember the performance but the sad part about it (laughs) I don't remember it at all was that some of the people that repeat that come to the show a lot said it was my best show ever (laughs) that can't be good okay so that was a performance that Kristen Chenoweth was in where things didn't go quite as planned that (laughs) night at Wicked have you ever um, been in a show where things have kind of gone awry and you've been on stage freaking out uh, yeah, last year. Um, 
This was not maybe what you remember, but um, Gilligan. What was it? No, what no, show? it was Windows Home. Oh, okay. I don't know if you you well, heard I, about I went, this. I went to see Windows Home, but you were great the night I was there. Well, there's this one part in Windows Home where the lead girl Kesha, yes, is kind of yelling at me, getting in my face because I've just been really rude. But, yeah. Oh yeah, you're the you're you know, the you're the hipster. I was the hippie, yeah. and you know I don't care. And you know y'all, it was during Vietnam, so I'm like I'm baby killers, and you know Kesha wasn't having any of that, and so she was getting in my face, and I fell off the platform <laughs> and knocked the TV down and fell. Well, I don't know if I actually knocked it down, but I fell into it, so I fell off the platform onto stage right and so i had to get back up because i had another line and so <laughs> so i fell down i i kind of hurt a little bit yeah. um and you know everybody backstage is like Ooh. Yeah. and um but i got right back up and was tried was you know obviously i cannot ignore that as an actress i mean right the audience saw it happen i can't you know yeah. so i was just like whoa you are really mad <laughs> so. that's that's a great cover though because that's the thing mishaps are gonna happen i mean if you do eight to ten great perfect performances that's almost unheard of there's always one night where you're gonna be a little bit off and something's gonna happen it's live theater there is always something that's gonna happen and you just have to roll with it and you know yeah there's the fourth wall where the you know you're not supposed to acknowledge the audience but if something like falling off the platform it, it i mean the audience saw that you, you can't you had you, to acknowledge it i had to acknowledge but it. there's a lot of us and this is where it's going to come back to you and i and a few good men there's a lot of us that don't have that ability like me so there was one performance in A Few Good Men, and you come up to the desk there, to, to my right, and I've got a phone there on the desk, and you knock the phone off the hook, oh. and it falls on the floor. You remember? I vaguely remember. Oh, my gosh. And I think I had the next line, and I freaked. I didn't know what to say. And then I thought about it, and I went home, and I was stewing. I thought, well, you know, we ruined the illusion in the scene. And all I had to say was, whoa, somebody's had a few, little too much caffeine or something just briefly like oh, that. You I always cannot. wish I would have said, but then what that does is that throws, that could throw off the next line or whatever. It's it's a delicate thing because, I mean, I, I've been in where I've, you know, flubbed a line or forgotten. I think that happened with um, Matthew McNeese in A Few Good Men. I think there was a part where if one night I just, my brain just wasn't well, working. Well, it's, it's not like you didn't have, you know, a lot of lines, lines there but, anyways. Yeah, but I think, you know, he covered for it. But then, of course, you know, as an actor, you go and like you did, I was like psychoanalyzing it the whole next day or two. It's like, oh, I could have said, I, oh. I know, yeah. You know, yeah, I forgot a line, but you're not supposed to just stand there not saying anything. And yeah. I could have said something, and I could have said this. And... So when I think back to A Few Good Men, I always kind of think about this. Darn it, I wish I would have been quick enough on stage to just say a little cover line there. But Can I talk about one? Oh, there's this. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, so I mentioned Pocket Sandwich Theater uh -huh. in Dallas. Yeah. Um, that's where I did the most shows over the last 10 years before, you know, well, six years before I moved here, but, um, they did melodramas. Okay. And it was, you could, the audience could throw popcorn 
oh. at the actors. We're talking about like villains and yes, heroines yes. and tying you, people to the and train And they track. encourage the audience to cheer the hero and boo the villain. Yeah. So hooray for the hero. Holding boo. up the, the signs. Yes. And, yeah. 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 Uh, we didn't have signs. But the audience was encouraged to participate. So okay. they were all scripted shows. Yeah. It wasn't improv. But sometimes you did improv a little bit because the audience is sitting like... A lot of times the audience really like to get the popcorn down your <laughs> top um, and the costumers would <clears throat> make appropriate costumes so the audience could do that. Give them a target to yeah, shoot for. Yeah, give it a target to shoot for. But um, there was this one show, Oh Brother Werewolf Art Thou, <laughs> and I was <laughs> I was in a swamp boat with the werewolf guy who was kind of my love interest okay. but we hadn't you know done anything yeah and this little girl you know we're getting to a part where it's kind of serious in the script and this little girl says just kiss him <laughs> <laughs> and i think back and i wish i would have turned to her and just said but that's not in the script <laughs> but i remember just everybody in the audience just cracking up yeah. and i just kind of like actually looked at the little child because she was so adorable right and people we just got started getting pummeled with popcorn so <laughs> anyway so you always think of that like after the fact you think, exactly you always you know, you know always i mean sometimes you can roll with it and it comes really quick and that's you know, improv experience will help you with that, but improv certainly just being comfortable on stage. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was a fun little segment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, memories. All right. Are you ready to try a, uh, this is something I'm, I'm going to try this. Now you're my, you're actually my first show, but you're going to be my second show that airs. Right. We're going to try to do a dramatic reading with every guest that I have. Fantastic. So I've asked you to bring some scripts along with you. I've got some over there, too. You know, we can have fun with the genders and the roles. You can read for a part that you've already done, and I can do the other part, but we can just have a little back and forth. Let's find a dramatic reading, okay? I'd love to. You're going to be my guinea pig. Now, I've got scripts here for MASH. I've got the Beverly Hillbillies. I've got the Odd great Couple. Shows. Great shows. Now, you brought scripts, too. I did. What did you bring with you today, Val? Well, I brought Last Night at Ballyhoo. Yeah. A Few Good Men. Right. One of my faves. I brought Get Smart. Which hasn't appeared on the lyric stage. Not yet. Not yet. Hopefully, Hopefully soon. Yeah, you've got a part in that. I do. What are you? I'm Mr. Big. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I'm Mr. Big. Oh, so, you know, you're, so that's a gender bending role because you're playing a Mr., right? Yes. Do you have a problem with playing a mister tonight in our dramatic reading? No. I'm, oh. I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking maybe we try something from that one that you're holding there in your hand. I'm holding a few good men. Now, what scene comes to mind in A Few Good Men that we could do? Well, there's multiple scenes that come to mind. Everyone knows the you can't handle the truth yeah. part that well that Ben Cox did a brilliantly on. Every night I was just riveted on oh, stage. I know. It nearly brought me to tears almost every night. 
seriously. And I had one of the best seats in the house. I was, I was a guard then. I had, I had two different roles in that, and just to sit, stand there and watch him. And then, of course, after he incriminates himself on the witness stand, mm-hmm. I'm the guard that has to restrain yes. Ben. And, and he went full force at me. He said, I'm coming at you. Be ready. As he should. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Ben's a load. I'm a little dude. So <laughs> one, one night he was like, I didn't hurt you, did I, little buddy? <laughs> so are we are we going to attempt that scene, the Jack Nicholson, Tom Cruise scene? Do we want to try that for our dramatic reading? Let's do it. Why not? Why not? Just go for it. I mean, how many times do you get a chance to do that, right? Hardly ever. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's find a starting point. Now, do you want to read for Jessup or who's it, Kathy? Kathy or Jessup? What do you want to read for? I'll be Jessup. You want to be Jessup. Is that all right? That's fine I don't with know. me. If you really want to be Jessup, I don't want to deny no, you. No, no. You're the guest. You're the guest. I'll read Kathy, and, and, and you will play the Jack Nicholson part. Okay. I have to find it. All right. Let's find, this, let's find the spot here. I'll ask for the fourth time. If you order. You want answers. I'm entitled you to You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. In a world that has walls, and those walls need to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you could possibly fathom. You wait for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have the luxury. The luxury of the blind. The luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic probably saved lives and my existence while grotesque and incomprehensible to you saves lives you can't handle it because deep down in places you don't talk about it parties you want me on that wall you need me on that wall we use words like honor code loyalty We use these words as the backbone to a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom I provide and questions the manner in which I provide it. I'd prefer you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I'd suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. Did you order the code red? I did the job you sent me to do. Did you order the code red? Very goddamn right I did. Please the court, I suggest that the members be dismissed so that we can move to an immediate Article 39A session. The witness has rights. And scene. scene. <laughs> what? I spit on oh, you spit? You spit a little bit on the... Yeah. Where's your Lysol? We have, we have disinfected. That was, that was great. Wasn't that fun to do? That was fun to do. Sorry, Ben. You did it much better, but that was fun. That was empowering, wasn't it? It was. All right. Let's close this thing out. I've got one more. I think I've got a quote or something here. We're going to close out the show. Thank you for doing that dramatic reading, Val. It was fun. Thank you for asking. What is crazy about amateur theater is that a bunch of people who work 40-hour weeks at their real job 
they go to a rehearsal space every night <laughs> and they pour their souls out for nothing more than their own enjoyment. Talk about how special that is. It is. I don't know of anything else. Like, I mean, I just think back to nine to five and, you know, the musical musicals demand a lot of time. Oh, yeah. And just I was beat, man. <laughs> it's I know, I know, a lot every night. And... There were some worries on that show that whether you guys were going to bring that thing to stage or not. Oh, we did. It's it's a magical thing. You, you know, it might be a week before and you're wondering <laughs> how is this going to go, but it goes. Yeah. And it's all usually awesome. <laughs> There's always that one night of rehearsal to where, you know, the director has to lay down the law and and People, do you realize that we go to stage? (laughs) One week. (laughs) And then everybody kind of looks at one another going, we're never going to do this. It's never going to happen. But that's the magic of theater. It, It does. And it does with the, uh, certainly with the help of great actors and great talent like Val Nelson. Yes, and great crews. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you need good stage managers, and, good and this, support. And this is, you know? Yeah, this is going to be a show. We're not going to leave them out. We're, we're going to have those people on, too, and we certainly awesome. are going to recognize. Because they are vital. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, Val, for joining me. Thank you so much. It's All been right. fun. Okay, it's time for that part of the show where we bring in Eric Evans from the Lyric Theater, which calls for the special intro, Eric. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Eric. <laughs> oh, I love it. Having a little fun with Eric there uh, playing the Johnny Carson theme. Welcome back to the second Lyric Podcast. I'm a fan of Johnny, those Johnny Carson shows. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'll go back and watch him go through things. And, you know, when he wore the little turban and did those things. The great car neck or whatever it was. Yeah. I think those are great classic moments. I'm currently listening to the Carol Burnett memoir. It's so good. Yes, it is. And Jill and I are both hooked on going back and, and watching those old Carol Burnett shows. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I, I think they're funny with Harvey Corman and Tim Conway and uh, Vicky. I, I, I think all of those shows, they're just... I don't know how you could do it, but if, if there would be a way for us to recreate some of those Carol Burnett sketches for a show. Okay, so, you know, we've been trying to do that. I mean, because I've wanted to do, like, those sketches or even something like from the I Love Lucy series, yes. the, the classic one, the first one. Uh, man, the royalties, uh, sure. if you can even get them, yeah. are are astronomical. How would you like to do a Seinfeld show <laughs> or The same thing. I, I could do Seinfeld. I'm a, I'm a Seinfeld guy, my, yeah. my, and my kids are. Not that they grew up during that era, but uh, we quoted them so much and made them watch it. <laughs> but I would love to be able to have those little uh, vignette moments vignette. at the Lyric. I think they could be... I, I think they great. would be well attended. Yeah, do a show with like, you know, you take three or four vignettes yes. like that. But, yes. Oh, well, we can dream. Let's talk about actual <laughs> things going on at the Lyric. You know, we didn't really get into that on our first conversation. 
But we've got two things to talk about that are coming up in the very near future at the Lyric. And which one do you want to talk about first? So let's talk about Augustus Does His Bit. Mm-hmm. We're partnering with the Brown Area Chamber of Commerce for this. And um, we've got some additional support helping that. Excel Health is helping us a little bit with mm-hmm. that. Everything we're doing right now, we're trying to make sure it pays for itself, okay, minimally. And so uh, people will be able to buy a ticket to this. But this is going to be a virtual show where we've actually had actors on the stage, set a whole stage up at the theater. And then uh, Dr. Nick Ewing was the director for this. And he did this as a friend of the lyrics. So it's a British comedy. It's Mm -hmm. called Augustus Does His Bit. And so we filmed that. We brought in a, a, a videographer to come in and to professionally film it and put it together. And I don't know if it's British humor, which has its own little dry sense of sarcasm yeah. that just just permeates every part of what that is. Uh, and so if you if you get that, you're going to giggle the whole time. Uh, if you don't get it, you might want to watch it twice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do we need a laugh track? Well, I would. I said that to the videographer. I said, "Hey, what about a laugh track?" He goes. Seriously? <laughs> I said, yes. This British humor is hard sometimes. Yeah. But it is funny. And there are several parts of it that are just a scream. We have a great cast. Uh, Matt McNeese is going to oh, yeah. be the... He's Augustus. And he does a super job of that. We've, we've got great people who were, who were being a part of this whole show. So this sounds great. So tell people where they can go for information as to how they can do this. So you'll be able to go to our ticket portal, mm-hmm. okay, which is on our website, brownwoodlyricstheater.com. Uh, just go to where it says tickets. There'll be a place up there that says Augustus does his bit. And it says it's virtual. So it's very notable on there. You'll know, oh, this is not something I'm going to go dress up and go to the theater over. Right. And so our goal is, and this is part of the partnering with the, with the chamber, is for people to go out to a restaurant, grab a to-go something. Mm-hmm. There'll be rest, there's various restaurants will have a special partnership with the Lyric and say, hey, listen, you can get a Lyric to-go thing here. And uh, some of them may have special prices. Well, yeah. Underwoods may be involved in We this. may be. We may be involved That's right. in that. And so, uh, to, and then take that home and then sit and you can go to your computer. You can, you know, if you've got a TV, a smart TV that can stream off YouTube, you can do that as well. But you'll get a ticket and then it'll have a special code. The code, you can go to the Lyric page, which is a YouTube page or on the website. Okay. And it'll be password protected. So people will put that password into it and then they can watch it as many times. It'll be up for about two weeks there you after go. that. And those that's the royalty things that we paid for that. And so uh, they can watch it. It's about 40 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's just funny. You know, we we did some shots because it's set back in the 1940s. Yeah, and so uh, you'll be able to see some vintage video footage of some different places that have a very 40s feel to it in town. Oh, so we went uh, on location. We did a couple of things because he rides in on a train. Well, how smart would it be to get a picture of our uh, depot, which, you know, was built in 1914, actually before that, but about the same time as Lurk was built. Um, And then, yeah, there's several little things like that I think will be very enjoyable. And then watch people that you've seen on our stage before who... 
some of the cream of the crop people yeah. uh, that really love the lyric and they all invested their time and energy in this. And so we're going to try that. And then uh, people can, can get on and do that. It's going to, when you buy a ticket, you buy a ticket for the entire family. So you, you don't have to buy, if you have five people watching it, you don't have to buy five tickets, just get a family ticket, sit down and watch. If you want to give a donation, we'll always take donations, uh, but that'll be a part of that if you want to do that. But grab a meal from a local restaurant that's participating with us, take that home and enjoy a night with the Lyric online. Sounds so that's great. What Dinner is. and a show. Yeah. Okay. Now let's just tease this other deal. <sighs> For lack of a better word, I just try to be humorous in my own word, called it the coronavirus cabaret, okay? <laughs> because we wanted something that we could do on the stage, that we could socially distance, we could physically distance as right. needed, yeah. and then uh, would be involved singing. You know, the lyrics, been we've been doing musicals now for 14, 15 years. So these are going to be familiar faces reprising roles that they did. That's exactly right. Like we have uh, the original Cinderella. Oh, wow. <laughs> the very first show that we ever did back in 2004, I think mm-hmm. it was, uh, when uh, Ariel Sword yeah. uh, came and was a part. She was Cinderella herself in yeah. this thing. She's going to come back and she's going to reprise some of the music uh, in that particular show. Uh, so I think... We're going to have that multiple times over, probably 20 or 30 different little pieces of music. So that's coming up sometime in September, and we'll talk about that on a future episode. Yes. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Paul. And I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Thanks for listening to Waxing Lyrically, sponsored by the one and only Teddy's Brewhouse in downtown Brownwood. If you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. This is your announcer, Kurt Schneider, inviting you to increase your culture with the lively arts. See you next time. Won't seem to let me in